0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we are bringing out some of our favorite conversations from the winter and spring of 2023. We begin the program with a conversation I had with Father Stefan Kapler. He's the president at the Southdown Institute. I had the conversation in May because that is Mental Health Month. And Mental Health Sunday is in May as well. And then we reconnect with Epic the Band. In our second half hour, we speak with author Jared Brock about the humanity of Jesus. And he tells us about his new book, A God Named Josh. And at the end of the program, we reconnect with singer-songwriter Ali Alia, who has new music this year. Remember that you can listen to all our programs at slmedia.org slash podcast. You can reach me by email, pedro, at slmedia.org, and also through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. We now begin with mental health issues. Now, we know that mental health issues are real, and we know that the church is not immune to them. In some ways, clergy and people in religious life are more susceptible to these issues. The Southdown Institute was founded in Canada to address the needs of religious and clergy around mental health and addictions. As such, they provide psychological services, ranging from comprehensive assessments through a residential program and also leadership consultation, outpatient counseling and education because may is mental health month and may 7th specifically is mental health sunday we are now joined by father stefan kapler he is the president and chief psychologist at the south down institute father stefan welcome to the sultan light hour
1: thank you, Pedro. thank you so much for having me
0: No, it's good to have you on the program um in case people are not sure what we're talking about when we talk about mental health issues what exactly are we talking about
1: Well, we're talking about a wide range of things, right? We're talking about um, people, everyday people experiencing mental health um, challenges, maybe, such as depression, anxiety, uh, maybe issues, uh, struggling with an addiction, uh, you know, having faced a trauma or difficulty in their lives. So those can be some, some mental health issues. We're also talking about um, mental illness, right? There's also members of our community who are experiencing more severe mental illness and that all goes under the umbrella of, of mental yeah. health challenges. Yeah.
0: And I would assume that, I mean, anybody can suffer any of those issues, including clergy and people in religious life, but there are, there are there specific situations or circumstances that would make it, uh, because of the work or because of the context that would make clergy or people in religious life more susceptible to to some of these
1: issues? You know, I think, as you said in your opening line, it, mental health issues can affect anybody at any time, right? And I think that's really the big message. Um, of course, we at South Down, you know, have traditionally focused sort of like on, on clergy, uh, about religious mm-hmm. uh now we have expanded that right to lay pastoral ministers and also to any lay person you know who wishes to you know receive what I would call spiritually um integrated psychotherapy so we mm-hmm. are open also for lay people for that so it's really across across the board anybody can can be affected with mental health issues um and I think that's really the reason if I may say that we're grateful that May 7th, now the Archdiocese of Toronto, has become um, Mental Health Awareness Sunday, with a special focus on the faith communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, well,
0: then let's talk about that, because Mental Health Sunday is something that exists, is it worldwide or in North America, or is it something that is specifically started for churches? What is it?
1: So, you know, that. <laughs> Wow, that's a really good question. So I, I, I hope I can answer that correctly because I can only tell you what's what's happening here locally, right? Okay. So it, we knew that uh, May um, in Canada is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. And a lot of people in Canada are aware of that because you hear the messages on mm-hmm. TV, right? The Let's Talk campaign and all that. Yes. So there's an awareness around issues of mental health. But we then said, well, there is such stigma you know, attached to mental health in our faith communities, more so than in other communities, I think. Mm -hmm. We can talk about the whys. But because of that, we said, well, why don't we then in May see if we cannot uh, select one of the Sundays and make it a mental health awareness Sunday in our faith communities. Okay. We approached um, Cardinal Collins, and Cardinal Collins was immediately open to the idea, so very, very grateful for it. And he said, sure, let's do that. So we we looked and selected May 7th, and that has become now, for the first time, at least in, in this archdiocese of Toronto, uh, Mental Health Awareness Sunday.
0: Okay, and I, and I presume that the idea is that eventually that will expand to the whole country and maybe even uh, in, in other countries. Um, is there a... I know that in other places, again, this exists, but is there a hope that Churches, archdiocese, diocese
1: would embrace this idea of mental health as a ministry. Absolutely, absolutely. This is, you know, this year is really the beginning, a very small, humble kind of beginning. And and my hope for this year is that we simply make some space, you know, make some room in the parishes for conversations about mental health, and if we accomplish. That this year, I think it's a great beginning, um, and I want to give you an example. If I, I, I'm going to be yep. brief, but the example is, you know, many times. So just uh, this two Sundays ago, I was helping out in one of the parishes here in the in the archdiocese, and in my homily, I was including mental health examples, right? And every time you do that, you Pedro, I guarantee you that after Mass, you will have a whole number of big, you know, line of people waiting there for you saying, Oh, thank you, father, for you know, for mentioning this. Uh, you know, I have loved ones who are struggling Mm -hmm. with this. You know, my sister is struggling with this. Somebody in my family or somebody coming in tears saying, Thank you. I, I I'm struggling with depression right now and I really I appreciate you mentioning this. Right. So so the hope is Let's make room for this conversation, so that mm-hmm. people in our mental in our parishes know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. It is completely okay to talk about mental health. It is completely okay to share that they may be, you know, affected by mental health issues. Um, just so that we get a sense of, you know, we are welcome members of our faith communities. And just as somebody who is struggling with physical health challenges is supported in our Mm parishes, we want to make sure that people with mental health challenges are supported in our parishes.
0: Yeah, okay, so it doesn't have to be... it can be a more involved ministry, but it can be as simple as what you said, as mentioning in the homilies. And can I just say that that's been my experience too, because I have mentioned it as examples in the homilies, and I've right. had people approach me, they have a, a child or a son that died by suicide, and it's good to sort of acknowledge it, that that, that they're right. sitting in the pews and, and Absolutely. they're not alone. Yeah. Right,
1: because we're, with that we're normalizing, right? We're, we're saying to people, it's okay. Yeah. You're not alone, right? This is an issue that's affecting a lot of people. So if this year we can open room for that and begin some conversations, fantastic. Down the road, I think it'd be absolutely marvelous. What a blessing that would be if our parishes would consider maybe beginning some mental health ministries, okay. right? And they could take many different forms, Um, but, but that'd be a marvelous gift in our parishes.
0: Yeah. I know that you are also organizing an event on May 12th that's going to be taking place in a parish. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that event um, as an example of something that could be, be happening in parishes in other places?
1: Right. So the, the Friday following the Mental Health Awareness Sunday, we thought, well, let's put on a concrete event that is free of charge so that people could, who are available to attend something like that, you know, would be able to to maybe come and join and and hear a little bit about mental health and also uh, learn some resources, right? So we have uh, talks prepared that day, workshops. Um, it's an all day event at mm-hmm. uh, the Nativity of Our Lord Parish in the Topic Hall, and uh, people just need to register for it on our website. Um, but otherwise, it's free of charge. And the idea again is get people together to gather and to talk about mental health uh, as a faith community, but also do it very concretely. And so people that come to that day will walk away with some some good resources in terms of uh, how do I navigate uh, through this stress in my life, right? How do I cope with difficult situations? And so we're hopeful that the day will offer some practical support for people and again, An opportunity to share with neighbors with others about what might be happening for themselves in their own lives
0: okay good that's good to know and and that the reason why we're having this conversation today at the beginning of april even though mental health month is may is to give people who are listening time to pull something together, maybe they maybe they can, or at least for pastors or deacons right. to to be able to mention it during their homilies. I'm gonna put you on the spot and say that they can contact South Down Institute if they have if they need ideas as to as to how, you know, who totally. to get if they need speakers or workshops. Abs- or, or Absolutely. Weekly.
1: They they're always welcome to contact South Down, but also there will be, you know, the archdiocese, as they do with all of the awareness Sundays, right. there'll be a whole package of material sent out to all parishes. So it's like an email blast. So that'll, that'll happen, happen in Toronto. Okay, that'll that'll happen in the Archdiocese of Toronto. Yes, and okay. but any any other requests, people can always feel free to reach out, and Absolutely. we're happy to help. Happy to
0: help, no matter where they are across Canada or the United States. Um, Father Stefan, thank you, thank you for joining
1: us today and for for having this conversation, this important conversation with us today. Deacon Pedro, thank you for inviting me, and I'm so grateful that you are giving room for this because it's an important issue it is
0: Father Stefan Kapler is the president and chief psychologist at the Southdown Institute you can learn more about their work at southdown.on.ca here now is Epic the Band with their new single Agape
2: you are my life when it's dark the heat when I'm shivering the calm to the chaos you are my guy when I'm wrong Sometimes I turn to you And when I do You make me new And it's all because of your love And it's all because of your love And it's all because of your love It's all because of your love. I feel weak when I think of all that I have done, but I feel strong when I think of all. just me It's you living in me It's not what I've done But what you have died For me And it's all because of you And it's all because of your love And it's all because of are Oh, love, it's agape and it's all for us. Your
0: love. That was Epic the Band with their new single, Agape. We first met Epic four years ago after World Youth Day Panama. Epic stands for Eternal Power in Christ. Over the last couple of years, they've written new music and have been working on several collaborations. And so recently, I spoke with Carlos Gonzalez, their drummer and band leader. Carlos, uh, welcome back to the Sultan Light Hour.
3: Thank you very much for having me, Pedro. It's, uh, it's been a while, right? Since the it, last time we met. It's but, been uh, a
0: while. It was just before. So it was 2019, just after World Dutay Panama. Yeah. Um, and little did we know that the next three years was going to be
3: so different
0: so so what were those pandemic years for you guys
3: oh it's uh i mean uh for the last four years three and a half years basically it's been yeah. a lot of changes you know um as as members of the band continue to grow right uh, some of them got married so two oh, yeah. of the good. band members got married so uh uh so that that was good um uh but the reality is that um during this period of the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, uh, we saw a lot of changes. We saw mm-hmm. a lot of changes in, you know, in in our world, uh, especially in the artist world. Um, right. Where in the past, pre-pandemic, it was it's, it's a funny story, but but you know, it's something that we need to consider continue to consider. Um, before the pan- pandemic, collaboration between Catholic artists was very difficult. You know, everybody was kind of like in their own world. Yeah. Doing their own thing. And, you know, the only way that you would hear about somebody was because of a conference that we doing or something like that. Um, but then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden, you know, there were no more conferences. Yeah. Uh, basically, there were no, right,
0: yeah, no concerts. Um, yeah. Everything. No going more
3: retreats. None of the stuff that we are accustomed to do in order to, you know, put our name out there on the uh, on the street. Yeah. Um, And then something changed. You know, we started talking to a number of artists and everybody was in the same boat. They were saying, hey, look, so we're looking for opportunities that we can collaborate, that we can produce, that we can basically, you know, uh, interact. Right. uh, Only with our diocese over in, for example, in Minnesota. And now we can talk to the people in Florida and we can talk to the people over in California or Texas. um we started collaborating i mean this was a a period of time that there was a lot of collaboration a lot of uh a a lot of communication virtual unfortunately yeah of course Uh, but uh but it changed it changed a lot in some of the focus that we're doing
0: interesting so so some of the songs then a a lot of the new songs that we've been listening to are 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 would you say that they're all collaborations
3: so no. So um out of the ones that you're listening uh one was a collaboration uh Fearless okay. with uh Dana Catherine. So oh, yes. Dana Kathleen is an amazing singer. She is. She's uh,
0: been on this program. I yes. yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dana, yeah.
3: amazing. I mean uh I had the uh the privilege she stayed over here at the house with the nice. band. She was here in in one of the uh, the acti- uh the concerts that we did. Um and we collaborated with her uh with her. Uh we have also done some collaboration with Ricky Vasquez. Oh yeah. Uh, as well um you know and and we have been working um not only on the catholic side but also you know um uh, uh jordan phyllis i don't know if you have heard no so he's, he's a new up-and-coming christian artist okay. but from, from a catholic background okay and uh, and he's you know he's an incredible human being as well so you know, it's it's been uh it's been uh, uh, the last few years. It's just been a process of collaboration
0: that you know what I've, I've been speaking to so many artists. I mean, I, every week I speak to somebody else and you're the first one to actually say that about the pandemic. But I think that I mean, you're absolutely right that that first of all, it's it's so much easier to collaborate, like you said, with distances. I mean, Zoom has been incredible. Yep. And even I remember like at first when people were trying to like jam via Zoom and it kind of didn't quite work. But I think it's improved so much more and you can record. Um, And I think that's such a beautiful thing because I see our brothers and sisters of some other, you know, non-Catholic Christian Mm. artists that are, that they've been collaborating. Or I see some of the artists in Latin America and they're always, you know, Martin Valverde is always doing something with CISA in Brazil or like they're always collaborating. And it seems that in North America, that's wasn't that common. So it's good to hear that, that, that it's happening.
3: Absolutely. I mean, there's especially in Latin America and and Latin America is is coming up and about um, into the new genre. Right. So uh, but the reality is that, you know, there's an influence of the Mm -hmm. new generation and the new genre and and some of the new sounds, um, because the reality is there's one thing that our band, obviously, with many of the other Catholic artists, have been looking at, and that is to start bringing the young back. That the the young the right the youth the, the young adults um, where we saw a lot of those basically after they graduated from high school, kind of like move away.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And,
3: and I mean, we kind of understand that you know while you're in high school, you're still living at home. So if your parents are going to church every Sunday, you go to with them every Sunday, right? Yeah. But once they leave the house and they go to college, yeah. then that's it. They're on their own, yeah. So the only way that you can attract them is most likely music. Yes. So, you know, as you have heard and, and have listened to many, you know, uh, uh, artists, you know, that change in the mentality, that change into the genre, into the sounds that they're bringing into the Christian music, Catholic music, um, has again attract that group. You know, yeah. it finally
0: yeah and and i think i mean it's not like you guys are a latin American like you're not like a latino band i don't know if you still do mostly latino ministry i don't think you do you guys are like an eclectic kind of mix of i don't i don't know what (laughs) everything (laughs) so so do you find that that the the focus of the the ministry has changed or are you still focusing on young people youth uh, uh, latin american communities
3: So, so the beginning of the ministry was directed into the youth, yeah. right? Uh, so the ministry started as a youth ministry uh, where we were serv- servicing our, our diocese and members yeah. you know, of the different dioceses over here in Florida by helping them on uh, on retreats, you know, uh, confirmation retreats yes. and, and confirmation, you know, or just youth or young adult retreats. So we would participate by not only doing talks but also we would do some uh, skits and then we will do music. Um, right. So you know the diocese or the archdiocese over here in Miami, um, kind of like the model that we were bringing into a lot of this you know retreats that we do that we were doing. Uh, so all of a sudden you know we started getting calls and we started doing more work with the, with the diocese and with different uh, parishes uh, in, in the uh, in the area. And what was funny was that we usually do a survey, right, after the retreat, just to find out the things that we need to do better uh, for future retreats. And there were three things that most youth and young adults will put. The first one is adoration. They love adoration, you know, and and for us, that was the most important one. You know, you go to a retreat, but the most, yeah, you want to have, you want to you want to make and take that moment to be right in front of the Lord and then doing the worship. So adoration was the number one. Two was obviously the skits because this generation is all about visuals. You know, they love to see the things. And, you know, we had a couple of skits uh, that were uh, aligned with our music uh, and people loved it. Right. And, And you can find them on YouTube as well. And then the third one was music. Yeah. Everybody loved the music. Yeah, of course. Uh, and 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 those were the top three, and out of the top three, you know, they were all basically related because when we're doing adoration, besides you know worshiping there's the music, leaders, yeah. we're playing music, you know, during the skits, there's music accompany you know the skit because it it mm. kind of influence, right, and then obviously the third one, the music was because it brings them to life.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: So we, we saw that as an opportunity, and that's how the the ministry basically started evolutionizing i mean starting this evolution into a music ministry versus just a, a retreat uh,
0: right i see and so does the does the or writing music come out of that like do you see because yes. you i mean i don't i think you guys probably enjoy being in a live setting leading worship being in the studio is a whole other thing it's kind of fun too but it's a whole other <laughs> thing so where do where do you guys kind of sit w- with that
3: so so basically, I mean the, the I remember and and in, in a way, they still do, uh, that they will spend three days out of the week just writing, just really? reading script, just reading scripture and then just everybody just putting a little bit here and a little bit there, and then at the end bring it in into one song, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were blessed to have one of our uh, our keyboard. Um, he's a professional musician. He works for uh Warner Music.
4: Okay. Um,
3: you know he has been uh, nominated for five Grammys. You know in the last five years. uh So he's a person that understands the music and really wow. brings a really nice beat. So when you hear our, our our music, you know that's what makes us different. Yeah. The way our beat into the music and how do we mix the music with obviously worshiping.
0: Nice, nice. So. Um is the hope these these songs that we are listening today and some of the songs that you've been writing are they part of a new album is there a new album kind of being put together or are you guys releasing singles
3: so we're releasing singles right now because of of the collaboration you know we we're trying to work on everybody else's schedule.
0: Yeah, it uh, makes sense.
3: If, yeah, if we wait for everybody's schedule, we will never come out with. No, another. that
0: makes sense. And the way people are consuming, I think the music now it's easier to you know you put them on Spotify or or yeah. other platform, and that's how people are consuming yeah. it. Um, Carlos, I'm so glad we reconnected because you guys are doing really good stuff, and I still have to make it down to Florida, um, so we can hang out. Um, <laughs> uh and i know that you travel around a lot you personally for for your work so maybe we'll uh-huh. see you here in canada um say hi to the rest of the band and uh looking forward to more of more collaborations between you and other artists um thank you it's
3: absolutely a, we're looking forward to uh to be in toronto someday in the future uh we will love with the band loves to travel so it yeah. has been a blessing and i really appreciate the time uh to uh to bring us back again and uh, and have this conversation.
0: Amen. God bless and take care. Thank you. You can follow Epic the band on Facebook and Instagram and stream their music wherever you stream your music. And to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, go to slmedia.org/podcast. Here now is Epic with their new single, Fearless.
5: The beneath my feet is shaking. In me, breathe your life in me. You know just what I need. I don't want to miss it I finally hear your voice You're whispering Fix your eyes on me I've got you Questions on my mind they But I can
0: feel We're listening to Epic the Band with their single Fearless this is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Be sure to visit our website at slmedia.org podcast. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. I think it's fair to say that most of us mostly think of Jesus as God. We think of his divinity maybe we're not as comfortable with the idea of his humanity with the idea that Jesus laughs cries gets angry cracks jokes loves to eat breaks up fights did you ever think that Jesus had to worry about what to wear and what to eat what was his daily schedule did he have to pay bills all those questions are addressed in Jared Brock's newest book a God named Josh uncovering the human life of Jesus Christ to find out more Recently I spoke with Jared Brock. Jay, welcome back to the program. It's good to see you.
6: And you as well. This is our first time actually seeing each other on Zoom. It is so actually I- nice absolutely
0: it is. Um so why did you why did you want to write this book?
6: Well, it actually started in our kitchen. My wife and I were making Mexican food and I was tossing beans in jalapenos and lime and she just looked at them with a wrinkled nose and was like, I wonder how often Jesus farted. And we just descended into a fit of giggles. And but then it just kind of got us thinking like, man, like, you know, Jesus, as Christians, we believe he's fully man and fully God. So, yeah, like, how did he make his money and how many miles did he walk in his lifetime? And was he really a wood carpenter? And it just kind of led us down this this uh, rabbit trail to rediscover the human side of Jesus Christ.
0: So was it something that you, or at least in the the, the circles that you um, where, where where you where you roam, or the people that you know, that it's not something that people sort of think about often? Jesus it really isn't,
6: Pedro. Yeah, like I, I grew up in a tradition where you really stress Jesus' divinity and his godhood, which is mm-hmm. great, obviously, but his economics, his philosophy, his Jewishness, and so everything was so pie-in-the-sky, uh, you know, heaven-focused that we kind of forgot about Earth.
0: Um, what were some surprising things that you discovered in working on the book?
6: Well, like I mean, the first one is that Jesus' name isn't actually Jesus. His name was Yehoshua ben Yehoshaph, which is Joshua, son of Joseph. If he yep. was born today, we would call him Josh Josephson. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, it's a pretty, it, there's no conspiracy theory about how he ended up with the name Jesus. We went from Yehoshua in Hebrew to Yeshua in Aramaic. And then we came through Greek and uh, Latin, Jesus into Jesus in English. So, you know, Jesus, I don't think would be mad if you called him Jesus today. But if he was born today, we'd probably call him Josh.
0: Yeah, exactly. What else? Anything else?
6: Yeah, so another thing was just this idea that Jesus was a wood carpenter. It's really romantic to kind of picture Jesus working alone with wood and then later getting crucified on a wooden cross. But there's actually a Greek term specifically for wood carpenters, and that's never applied to Jesus. He's always given the general term craftsman. And Jesus almost never mentions wood in his parables and his teachings in fact there just isn't that much wood in israel at the time they actually have to import carpenters to teach the jews how to how to even work with wood in solomon's day and but what's really interesting is jesus mentions rocks a lot and stones and firm foundations and cornerstones and wine presses and millstones and towers and gates he's always mentioning rocks i wonder if maybe jesus was more of a general craftsman and maybe this idea that he was a wood carpenter is is probably a little too uh a little too specific
0: yeah why do you think i mean i think i i I know why we tend to sort of grab onto the divinity of jesus more more so than the humanity Um, why is it important to not do that or to at least i mean we believe that he is fully human and fully divine. Um, why is it important to to remember that he was human and that he went through things that we all go through?
6: Well, like, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. It's just this understanding that you know, no temptation that we've ever faced, it's mm-hmm. not like Jesus didn't face those same things too. He has solidarity. We have solidarity with him, and vice versa. Which I I am just so grateful that he that he sent himself to to do that for us. It also helps us understand the context in which he lived a lot better um when we look at his economics and his politics and his philosophy um we realize that it applies to the here and now that it's not just you know mark said that religion is the opioid of the masses right that's just not the case in jesus's teaching it has real impacts on how the rich get to use their power and their money and has real impacts on what we believe philosophically and politically so yeah i just i would hate for us to miss any of the kingdom of god in the here and now because we're so busy focused on the streets of gold
0: yeah that's interesting because i i think that most people would think that focusing on his divinity is what's going to help us get the theology behind the stories but what you're saying is that focusing on the humanity can also help us understand the theology at a deeper level um, and I'm glad you mentioned his philosophy and his, or the politics or the economics, because you've kind of structured. It makes sense to me that you we focus on you know the infant Josh, the child Josh, the rabbi, but then you go into like the philosophical and the economic. And why did you focus on those particular um, categories?
6: Well, it, like I mean, I don't know if you have noticed this, but our world, especially since the invention of social media, has gone like hyper political. And so it's kind of important, you know, politics comes from the from the Greek word polis, like the city, the city state. And Jesus loves people. And so Christians need to talk about politics. We need to talk about anything that's going to involve people who are created in the image of God that, that Jesus loves. And so Jesus, you know, he is to be very clear. He is not an economist. He is not a philosopher. He is not a politician. That's not why he's here. However, he has beautiful things. That are political and he has beautiful philosophy and economics like I'm going to be unpacking Jesus's economics for years. They are so beautiful and they're so countercultural in our money hungry age like we live in we live in the age of mammon worship and Jesus is really clear that that money is actually a rival God for our affection.
0: Um, I was going to ask you to, to talk a little bit more about that, because I think that most people do not think about the economy of Jesus, although you're right, he talked about money a lot. So can you give us maybe a more concrete example?
6: Yeah, so the Bible talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. Yeah. A third of all Jesus's parables are about money, and his most misunderstood or potentially even purposely mistranslated parables are about money. You know, the parable of of the 10 talents. You know, most people think that that's about stewardship where Jesus is really clear that this is the story of an evil King. And, you know, the person who we think is the bad steward, he's actually the conscientious objector who, who didn't just give the money to the banksters to, to, to earn usury for his evil boss. This is not a story about the kingdom of God, Jesus, Jesus, and money. It's so crazy how, for some reason, Christians just, we ignore everything that the Old Testament says and assume that now we're under grace, we can exploit the poor. Whereas, you know, okay, so like the Old Testament, for instance, it says, don't charge interest to fellow Jews. Well, Jesus comes along and he obliterates the Old Testament, not by deleting it, but by filling it up with love. So for instance, if the Old Testament says, you know, don't uh, don't commit adultery, Jesus says, don't lust. Because if you don't lust, you're never going to commit adultery. Right. Old Testament, don't kill. New Testament, don't hate. So when the Old Testament says, don't charge interest to fellow jews what's how does love fill up that command well jesus explicitly says don't he says loan to anyone including your enemies and don't expect anything in return so he just like every economic law we see in the old testament assume that jesus makes it worse and by worse i mean so much better for the poor
0: yeah exactly i love the idea that he he doesn't delete it he actually completes it it's not deleted but completed um And we talked about this a little bit, but I want to go back because your last chapter is the God, Josh. So what about, can you help us understand a little bit better? What about understanding his humanity actually helps us see him as the God that he really is?
6: So Jesus is, you know, a lot of people today who aren't Christians will say like, I love Jesus but I hate the church I love Jesus but I hate Christians right and fair enough we're as evil yeah. as the next person without Jesus right and um but but what's really fascinating is Jesus he, he he presents like a likable guy but some of his sayings are really really hard like he says I have come with a sword to divide families two against three and, and three against two right. brothers against sisters and mothers and fathers and all this stuff so what what does that mean like is Jesus really that divisive? And it turns out he, he really is. The, the basic claim of Christianity, what does it mean to be a Christian? It is to believe that a dude named Josh, Josh, son of Joseph, Yehoshua, Jesus of Nazareth, is fully man and fully God. That That's what it means to be a Christian, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God. If Jesus is not also God, if the resurrection didn't happen, if Jesus isn't God, then we are part of a death cult. When we celebrate communion, we're drinking blood and eating body like we are cannibals in a death cult. And that's super divisive. Every single person who has ever lived has to make a decision. They like when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And and there's so much speculation on who Jesus is. Is he a good human? Is he a great philosopher? Is he a politician? Is he just a nice rabbi? Is he a martyr for the cause of Israel or is he who he says he is? Is he God? And that's the question that we all have to answer. And by faith, some of us have said we believe that he is God. And the rest of the world, Paul says, if if he isn't God, we are to be pitied above all people because we're crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. And to think of that the God, who is God, actually chose to become a human being 100% like you and me. And that in itself is a whole other you know, conversation. Um, Jay, thank you so much for... Uh, for writing the book, for doing the work that you do and for telling us about it today.
6: it's My pleasure.
0: That was a conversation I had with Jared Brock. Earlier this week, Jared Brock is the author of several books, including Bearded Gospel Men and A Year of Living Prayerfully. His latest book is A God Named Josh, Uncovering the Human Life of Jesus Christ, published by Bethany House. You can find out more at agodnamedjosh.com. Here now is Ali Aaliyah with her new single, Auburn Skies.
4: I'll be there just like I always said. So rest your worries, dear one, rest your head. All your memories that are soft and sweet will turn to rubble in our treasuries as gold is tested in fire If you get close enough you might get burned But I will see your face and I will see you through You know there's nothing I wouldn't do I don't know how we got to where we are The world was never ours but it fell Still be-
0: That was Ali Aaliyah with her new single Auburn Skies. We first met Ali Aaliyah in October 2018. She had just released her album The Labyrinth and as a follow up to her 2015 album Jealous Love. Since then Ali has been writing and touring. She's a worship leader, speaker, and catechist, and has several new projects and recordings, including the songs that we've been listening to. And so to tell us more, I am very happy to welcome Ali Alia back to the Salt and Light Hour. Ali, welcome back. It's good to see you.
7: Thank you so much. It's good to see you as well.
0: So I know you've been busy, um, and I I, I I feel like I start every interview this, this year at least, asking people how their pandemic years were. That, how was that for you?
7: Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually funny that you mentioned that right away, because um, Auburn Skies, the song we just listened to, is one of the the things that came out of the pandemic. I It was challenging, you know, I think for everybody. We had to navigate a lot of uniqueness in that season of life, and we're still coming out of that, I guess. But um, throughout the whole thing, I was just really kind of surprised at, at um, how the Lord was giving me a lot of peace and inviting me to a place of gratitude and all of that. And um, so this song, Auburn Skies, it kind of came out of, I was just like, I'm I'm not a piano player, but I started like trying to play piano at my parents' house because I was quarantining with them. And from the piano, you could see the sunsets and the sunrises. It was just so gorgeous, like painting the sky, all these beautiful colors. And I was just kind of struck by what a gift this unique time is, like totally like nothing going on aside from just being able to be together. And then... Um, there's, there's a lot of like lines in the song that are like meaningful to me, but um, one in particular, because of the pandemic, I I wrote this song, this line, the world's press pause, but your heart still beats. Um, And I kind of interpreted that in light of everything shutting down, like, but Mm -hmm. continuing to move on. And like the Lord's got us even in that and goodness can come out of that. But I had no idea how prophetic that would become for my family, because on November 2nd, after... I was done quarantining with my family, went home, and um my mom actually suddenly had she went into sudden cardiac arrest. Oh,
4: wow. and
7: um so like that time with my family was just so special for us all to be together, like not knowing that this
3: mm-hmm.
7: potentially really disastrous thing would happen to our family, you know, we never know when things like that are gonna happen. But right. um, I just remember getting a call from my sister saying, Mom, Mom's heart's not beating, so pray. So I just dropped to my knees in my room and I started crying and I was praying to the Lord. And even in that, like I like that disturbed like um fear of like what's gonna go on, I still had peace, like even in that, which was very strange. Um, but it turns out that the the paramedics, they they delivered three shocks with a defibrillator
2: mm-hmm.
7: and they weren't sure they were gonna be able to have enough power to deliver a fourth shock. But thankfully, they they had enough power, and that's the shock that revived her. Oh wow! They airlifted her to the hospital, and we spent days there all together. But like, it's crazy how she she's completely fine. Like her mm. brain functionality is all there. Like all the doctors, all of the surgeons are like, "This doesn't happen. This is it. This this doesn't happen." So it's right. like clearly a miracle. Um. So that's really cool because like that song, Auburn Skies," like even though I wrote it in that time of the pandemic, um, it really applied to our situation. And I, I just kind of, I hope that it applies to everyone's life to see like hope and and gratitude for the small gifts in life and the big gifts in life, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how God works that way that, you know, you you think you're writing a song about one thing, but it's actually preparing your heart for something else. Um, although it sounds like that experience with your mom, uh, is lots of good, uh, fruit for, for another song <laughs>
7: yeah <laughs> yeah totally the Lord's always working in that so we'll see what happens
0: so I uh, is that how you write mostly do you or do you do you set out to write or do you uh keep keep open to inspirations in your daily life or are you inspired by scripture mm-hmm. how, what is your writing process
7: yeah like every for me I think it also looks different for every artist but mm-hmm. for me um it kind of like inspirations come. And yeah, I like the word you used, like just staying open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to just sit down and write songs, but they're never very good if I do that. <laughs> and, right. yeah. Um, yeah. So just like kind of waiting for the inspirations to come at me and then like rolling with it. That's kind of how I go.
0: Right. Um, I know you've been working with the hollow app on, uh, on their Psalms project. Tell, tell us a little, little yeah. bit about that.
7: Yeah. So um, for the past, I don't know how many years I've been, um, like playing mass, like mass music, um, yes. and I began composing my own psalms. I mean, they're the scripture written psalms yes. for like every yes. Sunday, um, but I started putting my own music to it. Um, back in college, I think is when I started, and and then um, as you know, time went on, I started to like record them on voice memos on my phone, and just so I could remember them when they came around next right. time. I think. Um, and people seem to really love them. And, um, yeah, one, one day, hello, they reached out and said, we would love to do a project with you. And, and they listened to some of these Psalms that I had composed and, mm-hmm. um, they wanted to do a project with me of like 10 Psalms. So oh, wow. recorded and, um, went to Chicago and, and got to meet the staff there. They're oh, amazing. Wonderful. They're incredible, incredible people. Um, and I'm really excited to be able to, to share this project with the world. It's going to be like unique to the app. Like you can only yes. access through the app, but yes, um, I'm I'm so sure, excited. yeah,
0: it sounds wonderful. I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, uh, are familiar with the app. I remember we actually featured the app when they first, first launched it oh, yeah. um, a few years ago. So now it's become a huge thing. So it's great to to know that uh, you people like you are being uh, involved uh, with that. So there you go. If people want to uh, listen to these Psalms and, and tons of other great stuff, uh, they should look for the Hallow app. Um, and Ali, the other thing that I remember about you, I mean, of course, you've done a lot of work with other Mike Schmitz, who is also um, very well known to our listeners. Um, you get to go to the Holy Land with him. I think that's super yeah. special. So you're going back to on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land.
7: I am, yeah. Um coming up really quickly here, this actually is gonna be a really exciting one. I've been doing um I've been leading worship for the the Holy Land pilgrimages through Jeff Cabin's and Father Mike's yes. summer trips um for the past few years. Um well with the pandemic actually, you know, mm-hmm. got paused for a little while. But um but yeah, this one's gonna be really special because Father Mike will be there, Jeff will be there as usual, but um we're gonna make it kind of a music fest style. Ooh. So um, it'll be myself and then a friend of mine, Taylor Cipoti, who's another incredible. Okay, yes. Do you know Taylor? Yes, has she's you... been
0: on this program. Yes, awesome. of course.
7: Yeah, she's amazing. And um, so she'll be coming. Wonderful. Um, she has a little baby too. She's yes, married.
0: I was just going to say she, she recently had a baby. She got married a few years ago. Yes.
7: Yeah. And then um, another musician, Father John Klein, will be there as well. So we're all going to be giving concerts throughout Israel as well as worship music. And I think there's like eight buses full of of pilgrims that are going to be touring with us. we are going to sleep under the stars at a Bedouin camp. It's going to be incredible. Oh, my
0: gosh. Okay, but I presume that it's all sold out. So as people listening to it now, they can't join, right?
7: Not this time, but... Not
0: this time. um, But hopefully uh, for next year yes that's wonderful and and if people go to ali's website you they'll be able to to find out when she's going again um i'm sure that through jeff cavins and mike schmitz they can also find out when that's going to happen um ali i know that you've been super busy with with the psalms project and other things and you're slowly chipping away writing singles hopefully yes. an album maybe on the works yes.
7: Yeah, it's on the horizon. Where I've been um, slowly releasing singles, like Auburn Skies is one of them. Gap right. um, Cantu, another song, mm-hmm. Solstice, and um, I've got three more that are really close to being ready. And I'm okay. excited to start um, letting those be heard. Um, but yeah, eventually we'll compile them and put them on a full yeah. album. Too. we'll
0: have to uh stay uh stay tuned for that uh very exciting so we can bring you back on the program um ali thank you so much it's good to see you to reconnect uh tell us a little bit about you doing and of course to listen to your music um and looking forward uh, to hearing more of that soon so thank take care god bless have fun us. in the holy land thank Enjoy. you
7: thank you good chatting with you
0: you can learn more about Ali Alia at her website, ali alia.com And just to be sure, Aaliyah is spelled A-L-E-I-G-H-A. I'm going to put that link on our website so you can find it easily. So you just go to slmedia.org uh, slash podcast. Um, but it's Ali-Aaliyah.com. Um, and when you go to her website, that's where you can purchase her music. You can book her for your next event and find out when she's off to a, another pilgrimage. Um, and if to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, you can come to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. So here now to take us out is Ali Aliyah with her, one of her new singles, Waltz of the Trader.
4: Swept up in a rush When your eye caught mine It all happened so quickly it, it took a lifetime. I've been grasping a light, but it slips through my fingers. All your goodness awaits me, and selfishness lingers. shadow flees from the rock
1: listening to
0: Ali Aliyah with her single Waltz of the Trader, and that will bring us to the end of this special summer edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to come see us at our website slmedia.org that's where you can find out all about Salt and Light Media and what we do. If you hear anything on this program and you want to comment or just to let us know what you like about the show or that you don't like something about the show you can reach out to me. You can find me on all social media platforms and you can email me pedro at slmedia.org thank you for being with us today I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been a special summer edition of the Sultan light Hour